everybody. This is Bevan. Welcome to Bevan, a femme over 40 and her friends podcast. I'm your host, Bevan, and I am so excited to be here with you. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope that this episode is going to be super helpful for you. This is all about how to be a good pal to your body when it changes, and your body will always change, because did you know that every seven years, every single cell in your body is remade? Our bodies are encoded with this amazing, like, generative information that just keeps recreating itself and releasing what's no longer needed and developing new tissues and new everything, right? So even if you kind of quote look the same in seven years, your whole body is remade. It's wild. Um, So body change is just part of living, but we live in this wild society that teaches us. We're just coded to to be afraid of change. We're, We're taught to fear anything different. We're taught to crave sameness. We're taught that our safety is in predictability and sameness, but that's not actually how life works. And it, it there's just so much that our society and our systems kind of overlap to create this false experience. And I think the process of maturing is honestly just kind of developing a trust in yourself and a trust in your own perception of all of these different matrices of what's going on in the world. Um, I'll tell you, as soon as I released the idea that I needed to control my body in order to be happy, I was so much happier. Like just that release was so good. So in this episode, I want to talk about some tools that have helped me with changes in my body um, and also just tools that have helped me kind of create this body liberation framework around which I live my life, which is very different than our mainstream rhetoric, which will have you believe that you need to keep yourself small for other people's comfort. And um, I say this at the beginning of every Fat Kid Dance Party class, but it's true um, that if you're socialized as a woman, gender nonconforming, trans folks, older folks, disabled folks, uh, poor folks, people of color, uh, so many other things. We are just taught that we're not allowed to take up space. And even as our brains understand that that's bullshit, our bodies keep the score. So I I really, really am a big fan of somatic work. That's just doing stuff with your body to release those notions. But just even the idea, the brain needs to wrap itself around the fact that your body is awesome and uh, your body is a miracle. I mean, literally you breathe and your heart pumps every day, all the time, and you don't even have to think about it. Your body's a miracle. And our bodies do so much for us, and we are just taught to hate them (laughs) so much. It's really sad, actually. So I think the first thing I want to teach you, though, the first tool I want to give you is just somatic touching. And by that, I mean, this is what I've been doing, actually, because I just went through a big weight change. Um, Unintentional, I didn't intend to change my weight. You can listen to the last episode about that if you want more uh, of my, I call it porch chat when I just kind of sit and chat and talk through something I've been going through. Uh, So that was a porch chat in the last episode. This one, we'll talk a little bit about the change, but I really want to give you these tools. So somatic touching, I literally just pat, pat, pat my body. Usually it's actually been my thighs a lot for some reason. That's like where I feel and notice like my body has changed and I just pat it because I want to be embodied when I think these things and I'm like, I'm okay. I'm here. I'm safe. I love my body. I'm okay. I'm here. I'm safe. I love my body. I also say thank you to my body when I do that. And it's really helpful actually, because I'll say the biggest frustration I have with the change in my body, honestly, is just not having clothes that fit me. Um, And so I'll like feel bagginess in leggings, which is annoying, right? Leggings are supposed to 
fit, right? Like they're, they're leggings and they don't fit like leggings right now. So like I'll feel the annoyance and then I'll have that annoying feeling. And as soon as I clock that I'm feeling annoyed about anything that has to do with my body, I go right into the touching and I just pat, pat, pat. And I say, I'm safe. I am here. I love my body. My body serves me. And I just kind of repeat those things over and over um, just for, you know, 10, 20, 30 seconds, but it helps a lot. Um, and also that I am safe. I am here. Uh, that's actually anytime you can say I'm safe, you probably are. Um, and so accept that as truth. And remember, that's like a really good grounding exercise to get present. Um, because when we're focused on the past, that leads to depression. When we're focused on the future, that leads to anxiety and worry unless we're focusing on the future in a planning and goal setting sort of way. But um, too often, I think we're socialized in such a way where our brain is not in the present moment and it's not embodied and it's not grounded in the miracle that you are a cluster of cells that happen to wake up this morning, which I think is also a blessing that we forget about. Um, so the having an attitude of gratitude for what your body does for you really even just taking a moment, this is another tool, just taking a moment to acknowledge when your body has been a tool for you and helped you do something like, oh, I'm so appreciative of my body because I was able to sit on the ground and play with my niece. Oh, I love my body because I was able to walk through the woods. Oh, I love my body. I'm so appreciative of my body because I was able to help my mom with something, right? Or I was able to open this jar for her. Something like that. Just like really truly having gratitude for the little things because that will help to color your entire relationship with your body. And it'll help you be more in touch with your body as a miraculous tool of self-healing. I mean, also just think about that. You cut your arm and suddenly all these cells come together and just like heal it. And your skin is like back to what it used to look like or similar, even though it's totally new skin, like it recreated itself. It's so cool. Anyway, um, Something also that you need to do if you want to, I was just studying binge eating disorder um, and how, and the treatments for it. And a lot of the treatment for that, the most effective treatment is actually just habit work. Um, but the first step is deciding to drop out of diet culture, which is this tool that I'm going to offer you. So you're never going to be happy in a system that is based in shame, scarcity, and unfair beauty standards. That is just what diet culture is. Diet culture is this pervasive notion that there's only one right way to have a body, and we need to be focused on controlling our bodies. Um, this is just long feminist theory, but basically, like, body shame exists um, as a way to control people. If people, especially women, are focused on uh, controlling their food and controlling their movement, controlling their calories. It's, it's very, you have to be very obsessed to be in a diet and that keeps you docile. It keeps you easy to control. Um, people who are afraid. I mean, just think about how our news is constantly cycling fear things at us, right? It's designed to make us afraid. Um, and afraid people are easier to control. So you can choose to take your mind back. You can choose to take your perspective back. You do not need to believe the dominant narrative about the way bodies are supposed to be because there's no one right way to have a body. Look at human diversity. Like literally, human. everyone is different. Every single human being is different. All of all humans are different infinitely in time and space. I truly believe that. And um, even though they, some people may have bodies that look like you, I did not grow up seeing bodies that look like mine. I was just fat and like I didn't even see a body that looked like mine naked until I was in my 20s. How sad is that? Um, but I mean, now we have the internet, so we have like a lot more. I mean, not like I grew up in the Stone Ages, but like I didn't have, there was no Facebook when I grew up. There was no YouTube. There was no, um, 
body liberation tumbler or anything like that. So we have these tools now to kind of reorient what we understand bodies are supposed to look like. So I really think about like when you drop out of diet culture, you have to start inundating yourself with different visuals of what bodies can look like because you really need to normalize that differences are just part of life and that's how we were created. Um, Body shaming itself is just rooted in racism, classism, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, ageism, ableism, um, and we're literally all only temporarily able-bodied, right? Like you're you're able-bodied for now, but you don't know what (laughs) what tomorrow has in store for you. Um, And also I know people who have like you know, had an experience of disability and then are now not disabled, right? Like, so you can kind of go in and out, like in flux, but sometimes you might just be disabled and have to deal with a change in your body that has to do with a change in your ability and what you can do. And if you can love your body and appreciate your body for for what's available, and of course I can't speak from actual uh, experience. I have a chronic digestive disorder, but that is not the same as being disabled. Um, but I'll just say like with my digestive disorder, I just kind of had to learn to love my body through it. And honestly, the love that I had for my body really enabled me to do the work I needed um, around my digestive system in order to treat my body better. And my digestive system is almost my boss at this point (laughs) because I really let my body be the boss and my digestive system has a lot of things to say. Um, I started, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I actually really started asking, what does my body want in this moment as a way to discern what I want, what my spirit is directing me to? Um, I also want to talk about, um, there's binary gender, uh, conformity that we're kind of raised into that we're supposed to believe that there's only two right ways to have a gender, even though there's lots of gender diversity that just exists. Like as much as you may feel uncomfortable by somebody's they, them pronouns, like and non-binary lifestyle, it's not actually for you to understand if that person understands themselves in that way, just respect them because you want people to respect your experience of your body and to, uh, so it's it's a feedback loop of kindness. Uh, just think about being kind. But binary gender conformity really results in a lot of uh, body dysphoria. Uh, flamboyance is also part of body shaming. Um, I'm a very flamboyant person and really repressed that for many years because uh, both because I wanted to just kind of fly under the radar about being a fat person, but also because we live in a really like uh, flamboyant negative <laughs> culture. Like people are punished and for flamboyance. And sometimes it can be deadly uh, in around in and around homophobia. Um, and also expressions of sexuality and how else we might be visibly or invisibly othered. Like body shaming just really intersects a lot of different privileges and oppressions. And a concept I love to talk about is called body currency. And that's just bodies having uh, are each assigned a specific value based on a metric of privileges and oppressions, right? So like I have higher body currency because I'm a white person, but I have lower body currency because I'm fat and we live in a fat phobic society, right? And so, and who knows where they land on my age, but I've chosen to be fabulous at all ages and to basically age in reverse. Uh, but we're all literally aging. And so our body currency is continuously declining, Except for men, because I think men have, like, a different expectation of, like, how hot they get when they're older. Um, And that's, I mean, that's just, like, coded. You're just taught that way through visual representation in media. Like, just remember that all media is basically brainwashing you and teaching you how to think. 
Um, and you can take your power back and choose your perspective, choose how to filter the media that you watch. I'm so grateful. I mean, I'll say my women and gender studies degree, I thought, <laughs> I thought I was just like doing this indulgently for me as like a side to my poli sci degree. I don't remember anything I learned in political science. I do remember so much of what I learned from women and gender studies. And what they taught me primarily was how to discern media and how to create my own filter for understanding bullshit. Um, and anyway, so body currency is basically this idea that in a fat phobic society, all bodies are targeted and made to feel insecure. A fear of fat develops that results in an epic amount of eating disorders and body shame creates a culture of conformity, which benefits billion dollar, uh, industries, cosmetics companies, diet companies, other industries that capitalize on our feelings of shame and unworthiness. Who profits off this self-loathing is some, is a tool I want you to write down. Who profits off this self-loathing? That is a tool to use to ask yourself anytime you are confronted with, um, not feeling good enough. There is literally someone, someone or a system or an industry profiting off of your self-loathing. Um, I really like the term body liberation activism over fat activism, even though I think the empowerment of fat people benefits everybody because thin folks uh, are experience fat phobia too. They just experience it in this fear of fat where like they need to control what they eat and control how they move their body because they're afraid of becoming fat because then they will be othered or oppressed like fat people are. Um, but it's really like genetic lottery, right? Like whether or not people are fat. People can be fat for all sorts of reasons. I like to remind folks it's not just lifestyle, which is what um, it's what the media would have you believe is that, oh, I'm sitting still and eating bonbons and that's why I'm fat. That's not true. People can be fat because of benign genetic diversity. Um, people can be fat because of the side effect of a disease they have that they have no control over. PCOS, uh, like, there's a ton of diseases that like come with a side effect of weight gain. That's really difficult to lose. Um, the There's also like being fat because of hormonal changes. Again, totally out of your control. Um, you can be fat Again, because of lifestyle, right? Like, and you don't owe anyone uh, anything with your lifestyle. You can just be fat and it's okay. Um, but this idea that like there's a right way to be or there's some moral imperative about being healthy, like fat does not equal health. Thin people, health at every size is science. Thin people can be unhealthy as, just as much as fat people, but they're just not seen that way. It's This is just perception. And again, perception is your point of power. So... If you want to, like, when we dismantle systems of body currency, everyone wins, right? Like, this is, it's a win-win situation to not care about being fat or other fat people, right? Or to need to police anyone else's body in any way. Um, I, I really want to write this down in your notes. The Body is Not an Apology is a book by Sonia Renee Taylor. Um, it's also, there's a website, there's a lot, there's a blog with a deep archive. There's a lot of great things that The Body is Not an Apology has created. Um, uh, the, it's on an audiobook if you're an audiobook person. Highly recommend it. Really, I don't need to write a book about body liberation because Sonia Renee already wrote it. So it's a really, really good book. I actually, um, if I were to ever teach this, I would use it as a textbook. It's super, super good. Um, and it really talks about the intersections of all of these privileges and oppressions and how they kind of land in the body. Um, and it's, it's really, it's worth it. So 
You're going to get yourself into a mind diet, brainwashing, brainwash yourself. Um, when you're really focused on your body changing and like wanting to punish yourself for that, um, that's just perception. And, and again, you can change how you get your information. Um, I really like to uh, utilize exposure therapy, uh, which is curated and specific. Um, you want to eliminate who doesn't elevate you or nourish you? Uh, I am a big proponent these days of like releasing scrolling and going to targeted social media use. Um, so I like, I have like five people that I pay attention to every day on social media. And then I have a few friends stories that I pop into and that's about it. Um, I don't like to just scroll cause I, I actually believe the algorithm, uh, is controlling us <laughs> and controlling people. And it's just, it's only developing more and more. And I think, We've heard stuff about, like, the rise in um, alt-right and white supremacist groups because of the Facebook algorithm. Um, I just think it's super dangerous, and I think you have control and autonomy, and um, a lot of our media is designed to keep us controllable by other people. And I am here, Bevan, your pal Bevan, I'm here to liberate you. I'm here to give you your power back and remind you what you have control over. Um, so you have control over how you treat your body. Um I also really want to give you um, this thing to write down. This is a question to ask yourself. Does this nourish me? How does this person make me feel about myself? I do this with every way that I spend my time, but I especially do this around who I'm following on social media because it really, I mean, you become the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. Write this down too. This is another tool. Who are the five people you spend the most time with? And think about how they talk about and treat their bodies. Um, they, it has such, you have such, uh, all the success stuff that I've, I've lived through, uh, not lived through, I've read. Uh, I've read a ton. I mean, I, I guess I've lived through it too because I've been an entrepreneur for 12 years. Um, but all of the success books, because I really got into like studying leadership and success uh, in the last year and a half. And they talk so much about the people you spend your time with. Um, and it's funny because they love to use fat phobic examples. This is where employing the term take what you like and leave the rest really helps me because um, I've learned a lot from these books, but they are fat phobic. Uh, but they'll talk about like how if you spend, if the five people you spend the most time with are fat, you're going to be fat too, which is possible, right? Like if, if, if people are like in a lifestyle, right? But also, I, I think it's really about how you perceive yourself and how you feel about yourself. That's what that influences. Um, and so think about this. If you want to feel better about your body and your changing body, think about how the people you spend the most time with talk about and treat their bodies. Um, and think about if there's anyone in your life whose relationship with their body you admire, what do you admire about it? And how can you adopt that into your life? So really thinking about your association and the information that's going into your brain because that's going to affect how you feel about your body. Um, another thing I want you to think about in terms of like change and body change um, is this concept. I love this. Uh, this quote I read on the internet. Um, it's your ideal weight is the weight you are when you're living the healthiest life you actually enjoy. Right? I think a lot of folks who are in recovery for eating disorders, and I just want to remind folks, you do not need a diagnosis to, to recognize your eating as disordered. Um, I, that is such a gate-kept and expensive thing to have to go through to get a diagnosis. I, I don't think you need it. I'm, I'll just say this, spoiler alert, if you live in a Western culture, you probably have disordered eating because you've been taught to loathe your body and not taught how to nourish your body properly. 
And again, also body diversity, everyone's body is different and what nourishes your body isn't necessarily you. So, or isn't necessarily what nourishes the other person, right? So just thinking about that and like really digging into the concept of intuitive eating. I love intuitive eating. Um, I really work on it for me. Um, and just thinking about like, you don't owe anyone your health, right? Like health is not something you owe someone else. Health is something that is a very personal choice you get to make. Um, and I want you to really, really understand this. There are main areas of health that include mental health, physical health, emotional health, and spiritual health. Um, these, and, and you can, you know, if there's another category of health you want to throw in there, throw it in there. This is your work. Um, but basically I prioritize those, uh, metrics, those different types of health differently because I, uh, really live my life through my values, right? And like, what are my values? I think about that a lot. Um, so for me, my top value is my relationship with God. So I prioritize my spiritual health over all other health. I also prioritize my mental health over my physical health because my mental health is basically how I experience the world. Um, but what's fun <laughs> is that prioritizing my spiritual health um, and my mental health have actually created in me the best physical health I've ever experienced. So it works out well, right? Um, I mean, at least for me, but, and also my emotional health. So all of the, my mental, emotional, and spiritual health come before my physical health. So just thinking about like what health is for you and how you would define that, dig into your journal and recognize that that can be changing. That can be ever changing. Sometimes people who are going through recovery from eating disorders or from diet culture need to prioritize their mental health over their physical health. I call this the riots, not diet stage of uh, body liberation activism. Like once you dive into this idea, like I don't have to control my body for other people's comfort around me. Like I can just do what I want. Like sometimes you got to eat some donuts for a while. Um, my friend Jess Baker wrote in one of her books about the donut period. Um, and I was just like, I, cause I've always called it the riots, not diets period. Cause for me, it was like when I first got into fat activism and I was so like, enthusiastic. I had so much energy. I was in my early twenties. Um, I was dancing a lot. I was finally dancing again. Like I just had never, uh, it was just such a rare moment that I could dance and feel free in my body. Um, and now I dance in public. It's wild. It's wild. Um, how far you can come when you just like give it a chance to love your body and be different than what other people tell you you're supposed to be. Um, and then also I want to talk about this thing in the, in the healthiest life you actually enjoy. So there's a lot of things I do that I don't actually enjoy when I'm doing them, uh, but they create an experience in my body, mind, and spirit that's enjoyable. So I do do them, right? So I, I look at, I'm more outcome focused than I am process focused about how I experience my body and the things I do for my well-being, right? So thinking about to you, what is health to you and what are your values, right? And like, how do you organize your life around your values? Um, I'll give you the rest of my values. So first is relationship with God. Second is a self-care and self-love. Uh, third is my friends and family. Um, but I also have like a priority order of like who gets priority in that list. It's not like I'm ranking on my friends, but like, you know, I put my level one relationships, like my future spouse and my future children are going to have a higher priority than like my level two relationships, which is like my mom. And, and of course my mom is like top of the number two. Right. But like, you know, it's like my mom is all part of that, like intimate family thing. And then like, uh, and then it kind of like, and then my best friends, like I have friend family and I have nieces and nephews and, you know, people that are I'm close to that. I like keep 
tabs on, right? And then we've got like a wider circle of friends, right? But my friends and family are my third priority over everything in my life, right? And then uh, my fourth value is uh, freedom. I really, really am into time and money freedom is what I'm focusing on a lot and like how that uh, is in my life. And then I also think about liberty as well. Um, And my next uh, on my value, and I'll say this, like impact and freedom. So impact is the next one. And that's just like, I care about my impact on the world. I put, I'll say this, like for a long, long time in my life, I was putting my impact on the world ahead of my financial well-being, um, which meant I lived broke for a long time, um, kind of trying to make something work. Um, And I think part of that's like entrepreneurialism. And part of it is just really like feeling more morally uh, righteous about the work I was doing rather than like taking care of myself. Uh, So I'm still sorting that out. So where does impact versus freedom go in my list of values? They swap. But then I care about experiences. I really love to travel and I love to see the world. And then I care about luxuries. But I don't really care that much about luxuries. Um, Not for this podcast, but I'll talk to you about diamonds at some point and what I think about diamonds. Um, But you need to think about what your values are. So I only named my values there because I could only really write out my values once I understood a few other people's values so I could kind of like get an idea from them. But, you know, look up other people you admire, what their values are, like kind of get a sense for you and continue to refine that list because it will help you make decisions. It'll help you live a life you actually enjoy and it'll help your relationship with your body to really think through like, what do I value? What's important to me? But remember, nobody's body is any business of yours. So you're going to release the need both to judge other people's bodies and to, uh, allow other people to judge your body and uh, to please other people by controlling your body, right? So when you find yourself judging, you just say all bodies are good bodies. You just start to really notice your thoughts so that you can interrupt it when you're judging and it gives you so much freedom. Oh, it feels so good to not feel like you have to control or judge other people. Oh, I cannot recommend it enough. Five stars. Uh, Would recommend to a friend. Um, (laughs) And also, here's another really really helpful tool. Um, Discern the difference between what your ego wants and what your spirit wants. Your ego is concerned with minimizing yourself for other people's comfort, physically and personally, right? Ego wants to be liked. Ego wants everyone to think that you're the best and that your body's awesome and you're beautiful and yada, 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 right? Like we are just raised by people continuously reinforcing this notion that you need to please other people in order to be okay. You don't need to please anybody else. You just need to be you. You need to be the best version of you you can possibly be um, and really just be in alignment with your spirit. And something that I heard recently that really released me (laughs) in many ways was um, that you don't even like everybody. So why do you expect everybody to like you? Um, so yeah, so discerning that difference um, has been really great for me, actually. I'm really, t- really excited to figure out what's the desire of my spirit and what is the, just this idea that I need to be a certain way for other people. Um, it's been super helpful. I'll say this, I used to be a lawyer. I think I talk about this uh, pretty frequently on this podcast, but basically I used to be a lawyer. I'm not anymore. And um, I went to law school for love and belonging. I went to law school because I was afraid to tell people I didn't know uh, what my job was going to be when I graduated undergrad. I went to law school because I thought that it would help me change the world. I thought it would be job security. It was none of those things. It was full of bullies and terrible working conditions and impossible to find 
meaningful, joyful work. And yeah, so would not recommend it. <laughs> um, also, I still have $120,000 of law school debt that I, I, and I've paid off multiple private loans. And yet, because of compounded interest, there it is. So anyway, I can't wait to pay that off with money I don't make from law. Um, okay, so we've talked about a lot of different tools today. We've talked about figuring out what your ideal weight is. We talked about deciding to drop out of diet culture. We talked about somatic touching. I am safe. I am here. I love my body. My body serves me. Uh, we talked about body shaming, being rooted in all these marginalized identities. We talked about body currency and just releasing this notion that bodies have any different value. We talked about using the question, who profits off this self-loathing as a way to release the control of body uh, fascism. I mentioned The Body is Not an Apology, a book. Um, I talked about putting yourself uh, through some brainwashing and really just like curating how uh, information comes into your brain. Um, we talked about your values. Uh, we talked about the five people you spend the most time with. And now I'm just going to tell you a little story to wrap this up. Um, so I talked in the last episode about my body changing, um, and I was kind of like alarmed by how much weight I had lost and like didn't feel great about it actually. <laughs> um, but I'm still working through that. But, um, I also was like, just from an intuitive eating standpoint was like, I don't think I'm giving myself enough calories. Like, I think that my body wants more food and, um, I decided to like kind of shift away cause I wasn't eating gluten cause sugar is very toxic for me. Um, and so I had released sugar and part of why I don't really eat gluten is I don't digest it well. And it also just acts as sugar in my body, but a little bit of gluten doesn't hurt me. And a little bit of gluten actually adds a pretty good pack of calories. Um, and so I decided to start eating like tortillas and stuff like that stuff. That's not going to like, I'm not going to eat a whole bowl of pasta sadly, but, um, I, but some tortillas, right? So I was just explaining this to my mom. I was like, cause she cooks Sunday dinner and I didn't want her to like, feel like she had to avoid, you know, a pot pie or whatever. Like she could get, she could go gluteny if she wanted. Uh, so I was giving her that and, uh, she was, and I just said, yeah, like I've lost a lot of weight recently and like didn't intend to. And, and then she like immediately popped in with, yeah, you really have lost a lot of weight. And like, but here's the award I want to give my mom. It's like, it's like the Olympic level gold medal of not talking to me about my body until I brought it up with her. Cause I know she was dying to talk about it by how swiftly she said that. But I'm also like so grateful that she never brought it up, that I got to bring it up with her. And I'll tell you this, I'm 41 years old. Um, this is in contrast to when I was 18 years old and my mom gave me a pair of rollerblades uh, for Christmas. And I don't like to fall. <laughs> I don't like to be on moving things. And um, I think at this time in my life, I might try rollerblading, but I was not ready for it when I was 18. And I just, we had this whole thing where I was just like, why did you give this to me? And she was just like, I'm just so worried about your health. And I was just like, you, and I didn't have any language for this. I was not exposed to the body liberation movement at that time, but I simply just tearfully said, you can't talk to me about my body ever again. And she has respected that boundary. And I'm just so impressed that, like, we live near each other. We see each other all the time. I lost all this weight. She didn't even mention it until I brought it up. So I'm grateful to her uh, for, like, respecting me and respecting my autonomy and not bringing up my body without uh, my consent. 
I had a friend uh, who I was hanging out with, and she looked like she was pregnant, and it looked like she was getting more pregnant by the moment, right? I mean, not like you can get more pregnant, but you can get bigger, right? I never brought it up because nobody's, you just aren't supposed to ask people about their bodies. You're not supposed to, it's not polite, right? And then it turned out she was not pregnant. She just had like a growth that she then had to have surgically removed, which I'm so glad I never like talked to her about her body and made her feel uncomfortable because when she was comfortable with me and, and she knew what was going on with her body, she was able to come to me and talk to me and be, and I was able to be a safe place for her to talk about her body. So that's all I want to say is like, um, you know, just leaving people alone about their body allows you to have your own autonomy and body autonomy is not something we are raised to believe we get to have, but it's something that is very strong in my values. It goes under freedom, by the way, in in my values, uh, little pyramid. So anyway, I hope this helps. Um, I talked at length with my therapist actually about (laughs) whether I was going to do this as like a Patreon post or a podcast, but I really just want this information out there. I, you know, I have my Patreon if you want to support my podcast or if you want to just Venmo me, if you found this valuable, um, at Bevan B is my Venmo, um, my PayPal is paypal.me slash Bevan or Bevan B. Um, and, but it's all on fatkiddanceparty.com slash donate. So if you want to donate to me and that feels meaningful to you, I will receive anything you have to give. Um, and also you can just support my Patreon, which is the best way to support this podcast. It is why I am able to make this work. Um, Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N is a membership support site that allows creators like me to be supported, uh, in the work that they do. That is maybe like not so mainstream, but if you have like a niche audience who believes in what you do, you can actually live a nice life, right? Um, being supported. Uh, so, and I mean, I moved up to Washington so that I could live, uh, and create for my Patreon, but I didn't want to put this under the Patreon just because I think this is really crucial information that can really improve people's experience of their lives. And I want them to have it. So that's why it's here on the podcast. Uh, but if you want to peek under the hood of Patreon, I have a lot of resources, including a podcast of many episodes just for my Patreon folks. I share updates there. I don't share anywhere else. I do previews there, and also I teach Fat Kid Dance Party Aerobics, which is for all bodies or anybody who feels left behind by mainstream fitness. If you've ever been called too much, uh, felt too fat, or felt too awkward to dance, uh, I usually say that smoother, but nobody ever died of awkward, Um, it's the supportive class for you. And um, anybody at any level of my Patreon gets free access to my 11 a.m. Saturday Zoom classes, that specific time. Or uh, for 25 bucks a month, you get like full access to six classes at a time. And I I refresh it weekly. There's a 10 minute, 20 minute, 45 minute and two 55 minute classes and a chair class all available to you. Um, And I, it is truly my joy to create those aerobics. I think it's why I'm on this planet and I love doing it. And I really super appreciate all of my Patreon supporters for being there and helping me create this work and make it sustainable. So I hope this was helpful to you. For those of you who are also on the perfectionist people-pleasing journey with me, uh, I'll say this. Every time I do a solo episode, the next day I'm like, oh, I should delete it and re-record it. I have all these other things to say. But I always talk myself out of doing that by saying, you will only make it 5% better and it's not worth it to redo all of that time in order to make it 5% better. But this last time, this last weekend, it would not leave me alone. I was like, oh, there's so many tools I wish I had talked about when I was talking about the changes in my body. So then I just decided to do a second episode um, instead of 
releasing, instead of deleting the last episode and making this more of a, a tools episode, I was like, eh, whatever, let's do a two-parter. So hopefully this was helpful. Um, please feel free to reach out anytime. Fatkiddanceparty at gmail.com. That's me. Um, and I super appreciate you. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for sharing this with your friends. If you want to like and subscribe it, those are very helpful ways to, to support um, in non-monetary ways, but also just appreciate you spending some time with me. And I hope that you know that you are worthy of love exactly as you are. There's nothing you need to change in order to be worthy. You are awesome. You're magnificent. You are one of a kind, wonderful. And I do know that the dreams and desires of your heart, those real heart desires, not the spirit desire or not the ego desire, but the spirit desires, that's what you're here for. And that's why you're here. You're a unique individual, um, just for us. To ha- and I really believe all of your dreams are seeds that are meant to help our world get better and to help humanity. And the more people we have who focus on their dreams, who get over all of those things that you need to get over in order to pursue your dreams, I really think that's how we're going to fix everything. Like, I don't think the government is coming to save us. I really think it's us collectively, together, each individually pursuing our dreams, taking care of our people, and first and foremost, taking care of ourselves because you can't serve from an empty cup. I love you so much. Have a blessed week and we'll talk next time.